Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Salutations, hello there, or or however else you say hello, and welcome to VFTR 2.0. I am Chad, coming to you, of course, from the cave, and I am joined by the co-host with the mostest, my good buddy, and recently married man, it's, of course, Big Baby Daddy Diesel. Thank you, Dadalatch. I still really like that nickname for you. And yes, my uh, ring finger on my left hand is a little bit heavier because I have some new metal on there. It's actually tungsten. It's weighing down my finger. So yeah, I got uh, got married on Friday. You did. I was there. It was a lovely ceremony. And uh, I was glad to be invited and to be a part of it. That yeah, was a lot of fun, and all the credit goes to Emily because uh, she did pretty much everything, and by pretty much, she did, like, everything, so she so, did a great job. She did. She nailed it. And the food was really good as well. I was actually shocked how good the food was. I was expecting it to be good, obviously, but it was, like, really good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a catering business for, I don't know, like, 30 years for a reason, so. Yeah, shockingly, never heard of it. All right, enough with the beating around the bush, though. Let's get right into that first segment, and we haven't done it in a while. So let's hit that sound effect for some news. Well, uh, we haven't done the news for a little while. Just, you know, we've had a lot of things going on and we've filled the show with other fun and frivolity. But Diesel, kick us off with your first news story of the week. So uh, this past weekend or earlier this week, I don't know the exact day it was, but uh, Joey Janela made the, the news by performing a flaming super kick. And yes, that's all right. His foot was on fire. And this was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, we've gone to a bunch of deathmatch wrestling and stuff like that. And we've seen a lot of dumb stuff. But, like, and in deathmatch wrestling, I still feel like there's a line. And it may be, like, 800 yards further than where your line would be in a regular wrestling match but there is a line and very rarely does anybody cross it but i feel like joey janela crossed it and the promotion whoever was running this promotion is an idiot because his foot's on fire and they don't even have a fire extinguisher anywhere around like his foot's just sitting there on fire he's trying to pull off his boot they're using water bottles to try to get his foot out it's like you're an idiot like you should never run another wrestling show for the rest of your life because like you have a flaming foot spot you don't even have a fire extinguisher it's it's uh it was ridiculous joey janela is an idiot 
what happens if like they don't get him out and he like burns to death and the ring starts on fire then all the fans they also are at risk at so it's just a dumb move altogether. You got if you're gonna do it, at least have a fire extinguisher. Yeah, it's just really poor planning. And also, I really like I love deathmatch wrestling, and there's a lot of spots in deathmatch wrestling that I feel like it hurts the person who does the move more than it takes hurts the person doing the move or taking the move. But the flaming boot spot is just one that's just so dumb to me. I know it can look cool, but Oh, you're like literally lighting yourself on fire to then kick them in the face with your just normal boot. Like, what are you just trying to do? Like, get a little bit of like hot air into their eyes from your on fire boot. Like, it's it's a dumb spot altogether, honestly. I think it's one of my least favorite spots in all of like deathmatch wrestling is the flaming boot. Because if you're going to use fire, just light them on fucking fire then. Like, if you already have the stuff... Why would I light my own boot on fire? Why don't I just light them on fire? Come on. It's just common sense here, people. But yeah, and Joey Janela doing it, like his boot, like he did it way too far up his like ankle of his boot to try and get like some flame. And then they wear like rubber boots almost, like the leather boots. Like it's clearly melting to his skin. Like that was just so terrible. And like watching them all run around with like chickens with their heads cut off, not knowing what to do was just, yeah, it was just completely so idiotic and unprofessional. Like, come on the fuck on. Like, you, if you're going to do it, be prepared for the worst case scenario. What if the ring had started on fire? Like, what are you going to do then? Right. I mean, and you're putting your fans at risk too. Like, because it's, it's not safe. Like, you can do that safely. And like I said, and I'll say it again, if you have a fire extinguisher, Bam, problem solved. You could have put him out. He probably would have been on fire for, I don't know, only a few seconds rather than like, I don't even know how long he was on fire. But it was a long time. I know the video I watched was 30 seconds long. And yeah. to be on fire for 30 seconds is a long fucking time. Yeah, it's not a short time to be on fire. And how they <laughs> didn't have the fire extinguisher prepared for this spot. And it just, it's one of those things, once again, is pro wrestling doesn't get a lot of, you know, good publicity out there. And when things like this happen, this is exactly what everything picks up on. Like, there is now, oh, look at this idiot lighting his boot on fire. Like, you know, this video is going to be like all over the like meme shows and everything. Wow, I sound like a hundred year old man. But you know, it's going to be all over <laughs> like that when people are going to be talking about this and not the good stuff about pro wrestling. So when this kind of things happens, it just makes pro wrestling look bad, and I just get annoyed. Like, I love deathmatch wrestling. I'm not saying deathmatch wrestling should be looked down on. I'm saying this idiot, Joey Janela, making us, everyone, look like idiots for liking deathmatch wrestling and lighting himself on fire just, ugh, pisses me off. Agreed. All right, uh, I think that's enough bitching about Joey Janela. Let's move on to news story number two, which we haven't talked about yet. And it's actually occurred, it was last week at this point that this happened, but the Naomi and Sasha Banks situation just keeps getting weirder because, so obviously everyone's heard about it at this point. Naomi and Sasha Banks walked out on Monday Night Raw, left their tag team titles there, and then just, you know, took their ball and went home like many before have done. And I'm sure future people will do. But this is weird because once again, it's not that they're doing it, it's the WWE is now actively trashing them on television week in and week out 
Like, and they've now said they're indefinitely suspended as tag team champions. Like, all this stuff, like, this is a weird situation. Like, are they, like, I, I know it can't be a work at this point, but, like, the last time they did this was, like, Stone Cold when he walked out. And this just feels so extreme. Yeah, it wasn't the last time. It wasn't Stone Cold. It was CM Punk. And they ended up firing him on his wedding day. But, yeah, yeah this whole scenario of everything is uh it's pretty nuts like on raw they're in the building and they decide that i don't even know because there's been so much that's come out like originally the story was it was while the show was going they walked into john Laurinaitis's office and just put the belts on his desk and walked out but now they're saying that some people are saying that it was like before the show even started, uh, Naomi was supposed to win the main event of Raw to be number one contender to face Bianca Belair. Sasha was supposed to face Ronda Rousey. I don't, so like, I know that they said it's about like contracts or I, I don't even know. I think there's still some things that haven't been revealed. I think, but for uh, as far as Sasha Banks, I feel like this has been actually for both of them. I feel like it's been building for a really long time. Like, remember, like even like five six years ago, when they had that Twitter like surge of everyone was saying push Naomi even before she was feel the glow Naomi and stuff like that. Sasha Banks has always kind of been one of those like wrestlers that has been kind of outspoken and i think she did ask for her release at one point so i don't know i think like this was bound to happen and i don't i don't blame them in the least because they are they have been kind of treated unfairly so like if they want out like i say let them go and let them do what they want to do yeah it's it's crazy to think how high and how far now Sasha Banks has like risen and fallen in the WWE so many times. Like Sasha Banks at one time or another in her like run of the WWE has been the most important woman on the, you know, women's roster, be it NXT or, you know, Raw or SmackDown. She's also been just shoved to the side and relegated to crap storylines with nothing going on so many times as well. It's an absolute roller coaster. And that's not even like to start with Naomi. I mean, at least Sasha Banks has gotten multiple runs at the top. Naomi's gotten one run and it was fun. I liked Feel the Glow. I think she had I think she had two. I think she got hurt and she had to drop the belt. And then remember she won it at WrestleMania in her hometown. Um but Sasha won like the title like five times and then lost it on her first defense like after that it was like i forget it was like her sixth or seventh reign where she finally had a successful title defense and so i mean that's kind of ridiculous too like you put the title on her but she's just always a transitional champion which in my eyes is kind of uh jobberish and that's the way they look at her is like, she isn't the top star. She's somebody that we can get the title from somebody from point A to point B without point A and point B facing each other. So she hasn't really been treated that well. No. And so, I mean, I full on uh, endorse them getting out, but 
it's just such crazy timing. Like it really felt like this was the time that maybe Naomi was going to get added to Bloodline and everything like that. So obviously, I think that this is a terrible situation, and we both side with Naomi and Sasha on this. But where do they go? Like, do they go to AEW? Whenever does like WWE just freeze their contracts for forever, and they just make them sit? See, I think that I feel like that's more likely to happen that WWE is going to freeze their contracts, similar to what they did to Neville at the time. Uh, I don't know. I feel like a good place for Naomi would be Impact and maybe even doing some independent stuff like she is a product of the WWE like she never wrestled on the independents I, I think it'd be fun to see her wrestle in like AAW and like stuff like that and I don't know I think Sasha kind of wants to do her own thing right now I don't think like she even I think she's bored with wrestling. I think kind of like CM Punk was when he got released. I wouldn't be surprised if you see her take uh, an extended hiatus away from wrestling and then maybe even come back to the WWE in a couple of years. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I'm assuming that they're going to get frozen and they're going to be stuck there which is a really shitty thing for WWE to do, but I wouldn't put it past them because I've done it in the past. That's what they do basically every time. But yeah, I, t- I can see Sasha. Like, so- There's a lot of comparisons that could be made between Sasha Banks and CM Punk. Just overall, like even their like WWE runs, where it just every time it seems like, oh, they're getting behind him completely, then it's just a complete you know, stopgap, and then it's a you know, restart again. Yeah, it's just too bad that, like, NXT has never been canon to the main roster because if you could carry over, like, her momentum and, like, what she did in NXT from the start of the main, her main roster run, I feel like things would have been different. Yeah, I mean, she was the hottest thing and still probably the best women's match ever done in NXT was, you know, between her and Bailey, And, you know, just can't capitalize on it because you don't want to talk about it. Like, they clearly had the Bailey sasha feud, but they never really brought up. They'd have it in, like, little clip shows, but it was never really brought up on TV or real. I, I still feel the best match in NXT ever was actually Sasha and uh, Becky. But yeah, Sasha and Bailey feud was also great. Yeah, I mean, when you get Izzy to cry, it's one of the most memed things ever. And it's just so great. Like, honestly, getting Izzy to cry was one of the best things that ever happened on NXT. Yeah, I mean, that that's true. And that was something that was like legit not planned. So that is true. She, but she's the boss. I mean, you remember that match with Sasha and Becky? Becky lost. And, like, that was, like, the first time she was ever, like, super over. Like, I mean, man, how times have changed. Like, NXT was awesome back then. NXT was wild back then. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember Sasha Banks is one of my favorites. I love Sasha Banks. Of the four horsewomen, it's definitely either her or Becky are my favorites. And it's most of the time been Sasha. 
Yeah, I think Becky's my favorite, but I mean, I miss Full Sail. Like NXT, even even before they turned to 2.0, like once they moved out of Fort of Full Sail, they were never the same. Yeah, old NXT is great to look back on. And we all had to know though that it couldn't last. It was one of those things, it was burning too brightly. It was gonna burn itself out, and it's exactly and- what happened. I'm happy it lasted as long as it did because we got like a half decade of really good wrestling and it just sucks that uh, Triple H doesn't get to like book a show anymore. I don't know. I don't get that. That's a different story for a different time. Yeah, that's a different news story, but just, yeah, NXT is the best. Oh, and uh, not really related, but since we didn't bring it up last week, a news story that we didn't talk about. Uh, if you want to listen to someone talk about the great Cruiserweight Classic that's uh, been happening, you know, we talked about it last week and how amazing it was. Right here on Visionaries Global Media, High Five Tom and Justin are doing a showcase on it every Thursday. They've already done part one and two. I don't know how many parts it's going to be. I should know. I have it in my notes, but I don't have my notes in front of me. So I don't know. But hey, make sure you check it out. It's awesome stuff. Tom's absolutely killing it. Justin's awesome. And this is the first time Tom's watching the Cruiserweight Classic because apparently he didn't before because he's a crazy man. But now he's watching it. So check it out. Visionaries Global Media. Hey, man, Tom is a very lucky guy because I wish I could go back and watch it for the first time because I like I remember how good it was and it was like musty TV. I think it came out like every Thursday. And, like, I remember after work every Thursday, I'd, like, load that shit up and be, like, ready to go. And, like, I made sure I stayed away from the spoilers, too. I didn't want to know because this this is one of the best tournaments that the WWE has put on in the last decade easily. It might be the best tournament that they put on in the last decade. Load that shit up. Yeah, I was... It was the great times where WWE, the WWE app was the best thing ever. Like I was on freaking the WWE app all the time. I, that was like my main thing I watched for a good period of time between NXT and then the Cruiserweight Classic, the May Young Classic. And we had the UK tournament. Yeah, they're just not to mention all their original programming that was actually pretty decent. That yeah. Edging Christian show was hilarious was we had the first few seasons of swerve which were actually pretty fucked up but they were doing some serious (laughs) shit that wasn't cool yeah it was uh it was still fun it was still fun to watch and and uh ride along some of them weren't that bad yeah depends on who it was learned some interesting things about uh what's his freaking name and his love of nia Jax. oh yeah uh byron saxton byron saxton there we go you also get to see uh, Mark Henry crush an apple with his bare hand. Yeah. Mark Henry Turns it into juice. Now he's part of AEW. Shocker. And he was riding with Chris Jericho in that episode, who was also a part of AEW. Oh, some chaos theory right there. They would never have done that <laughs> ride along. Would AEW right? ever have happened? <laughs> right? Who knows? Who, who knows? knows? Butterfly effect. Butterfly effect. Okay, yeah, this is a very chaotic news story. Uh, Final bit of news for the news is this week the second trailer for Thor Love and Thunder dropped. And while images have gone out of what Christian Christian Bale's God, the uh, Gore the God Butcher looks like, the internet is all aflame about 
his look in the new trailer. And Diesel hasn't seen the trailer yet, but he says he's seen the promotional items. So I want to know, what do you think there, Diesel? I, well, for number one, until yesterday, I didn't even know Christian Bale was in the movie. So I think that's pretty badass. And I think it's badass that Batman is in a Thor movie. Like, uh, I think I like that uh, a bunch of actors that played other superheroes are doing like multiple like superhero franchises. Like it used to be like if you played Batman, you weren't allowed to be in any other superhero movie. It's just the way it goes. But now it's like there's some guys like Chris Evans. He's technically been in three because I'm counting Scott Pilgrim. So uh, uh, he's technically been in four because he was also in The Losers. I've never seen that movie. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, then never mind. But you know what I'm getting at. So I'm very excited that Christian Bale's in that movie because I'm also a big fan of Christian Bale. So yeah, I think he looks uh, looks like a stone. That's what he looks like to me. So Gore the God Butcher is one of like the coolest Marvel like creations in the past, you know, couple decades here where he's just an absolute badass. And in the comics, he's much more alien looking like he kind of has like tendrils that come off of his head and he's always wearing a hood and everything. But I'm actually really excited for this take on Gore the God Butcher because we have had so many CGI villains in the MCU and it'll be nice to actually get to see like a more human like we'll actually get to see human expressions and things out of Gore the God Butcher. And that's going to be great because his story is really sad. The reason he goes all crazy and starts killing gods is because he asks the gods for help in saving his family. No one comes and his family gets murked. And then he finds this sword and he goes, fuck you, God, I'm going to kill y'all. And then he starts killing them all. And also there's a whole bunch of stuff with the sword that he has. That if you don't know about it, and I know Diesel doesn't, I'm not going to spoil it for people here. But if this sword leads to what I hope it leads to, then the MCU is going to get fucking wild. Just like absolutely wild in these next couple phases. But I am super excited. And I think the look is actually kind of cool. I like the like kind of just carvings into his face. And I think yeah, it looks like really a stone. Great. It kind of looks like, like a magma stone or something of that yeah. nature. Yeah, uh, and hasn't the MCU already gotten wild? Like, how, like, I, I, I'm sure it can get wilder, but, like, it's got wild. Every movie is now, like, a must-see, like, Avengers-level movie. And it's it's crazy. Like, they got to the point where these things are huge, and it's really easy to let people down. So, like, they're going to be a, a, become a victim of their own success, and it's going to happen probably faster than we want it to happen. But, uh, yeah, go Marvel. Yeah, unfortunately, nothing good can that is can last, obviously. So... The MCU will eventually have to come to an end and it will probably come to a terrible end and it'll happen too quickly. But at this time, baby, we're riding high. And right. I am fucking jacked for Thor Love and Thunder. Like, Me I mean, too. I've said it for every movie that's come out recently how excited I am, but each one does keep just ramping up my excitement more and more. And I mean, yeah, eventually it's going to either I'm going to have a heart attack or they're going to let me down. One of the two. I don't know which one's going to happen first. They can't let you down with this movie. 
I no. mean, no. like Thor Ragnarok was the perfect setup for this movie. Like that movie felt like a Guardians movie, and now the Guardians are in this movie, and Takai Waititi is still directing it. They can't let you down. There's no way. There's no way. Uh, I'm really upset you haven't seen the trailer yet, and I know you want to watch it with your wife. Yeah, your wife. Think about that. My I can wife, say that. Yeah, That's a weird thing. I know it but is weird. I'm not used to it yet. I really there's a couple things in the trailer I wanted to talk to you about, but it I will say right away it opens with Korg giving a little monologue and it's great. Well, Korg might actually be the best character in all of MCU. Uh, that trailer for Free Guys where it's Korg and uh, fucking Deadpool. Deadpool is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, uh, Takai Waititi is just so fucking hilarious. And the fact he does the voice is just perfect. Sidebar. Sidebar! Have you seen This Flag Means Death? Uh, I have not watched yeah. it yet. It is on my list, and I just keep yeah, forgetting we to it. check it out. He is hilarious as uh, Blackbeard. It is This show is ridiculous. It's, it's definitely a show that is like right down your alley. You'd love it. Yeah, I've had a lot of uh, people tell me that it's really good and that Allison and I need to watch it and just keep forgetting about it when we're looking for a show to watch. But it's uh, it's on the list. Anything with him in it or he directs, I'm going to watch full show. Yeah, no, nah, he's, he's one of the best out there right now. And I, I definitely dig the vibe he puts out. Some people don't like it, but you're idiots. And you still haven't seen Jojo Rabbit yet, have you? Nope. What are you waiting for? Best movie of 2019. I still stand by it. Uh, I'm uh, I'm waiting for uh, it to come out on VHS. Just do it. Trust <laughs> me. What do I got to do to get you to watch that movie? I don't know. I'll, I'll watch it. You know, I, I will. I just, you know, Jad takes his time. Sometimes, and so other times I don't take my time and I do it right away. Trust me. Just trust me. It's It's a damn good movie. I, I will definitely check it out. But yes, everyone, get excited for Thor Love and Thunder. Stop bitching about how Christian Bale looks and let it play out because you know it's going to be good. It's Marvel. They've, they've not let you down yet. So stop being a whiner and just finding things to bitch about. It's going to be awesome. And soon, the MCU is just going to have all these sword guys in it because we've got the Black Knight coming. We've got Gore the God Butcher. We also got Blade coming. Soon, we will have it all. We'll just have some sword fighting, and we've already had kaijus. MCU is great. Love it. All right. Well, that's the news. All right. Well, let's get into the main bulk of the show, I guess. So it's time for hashtag TRT because we're hip and awesome, so we use hashtags. But yes, this week, hashtag TRT, you know what we're covering? Because it is the week, and for once, we're not wrong this time. The pay-per-view is actually this weekend. It's a big one for AEW, so we are doing some double or nothing coverage. So, Diesel, take her away. And just like a few weeks back when we did Backlash, we're going to do the same thing, but for double or nothing, and obviously we're starting with Double or Nothing 2019 because this is actually the the inaugural 
AEW show. This is the first show that they ever had. And it's crazy. I remember when this happened because AEW didn't start up until September. And like this was just a show to kind of set up all out and then all out set up like the first dynamite and i remember like how excited i was for this show and like how excited i was after this show it was this great show but uh we're starting off first match according to wikipedia was the 21 man casino battle royal and i always like the casino battle royal it's different they always have the suits of cards and that's how people like enter the match and then they always have a joker which is also awesome i like that they keep that concept alive for a lot of things even though last week's joker for the men's uh tournament the one heart tournament was kind of a letdown because i thought it was gonna be johnny gargano yeah but it was still a good match it was a fun match sidebar johnny elite is the dumbest name fucking ever God damn it, John uh, Morrison, John Hennigan, Johnny Mundo, Johnny, whatever the fuck you call yourself. God damn it. Just go by one name. Johnny Elite is a terrible name for you. I hate it. I hate it so much. Johnny Milwaukee. <sighs> Just anyways, makes me want to vomit. Anyways, so we have, remember, the Casino Battle Royal was also the winner faced the winner of the Double or Nothing main event for the inaugural AEW World Championship at All Out. And there was a bunch of uh, names in this uh, Battle Royal, such as, like, I'm not going to name them all, but, like, MJF, Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazawa. Remember when he wow. used to wrestle and he wasn't yeah. just, like, Kenny Omega's, like, young boy? Um, <laughs> like, Kenny Omega needs to come back just so we can see some more of Michael Nakazawa. Seriously, uh, like oh, Jimmy Havoc and the idiot Joey Janela, uh, Sean Spears. I didn't realize Sean Spears was on the very first show. Wow, no, uh, I, I guess I'd forgotten. Billy, Gunn, oh, yeah, I guess he was with Tully at this point, wasn't he? I think it was just before because he was he wasn't with Tully until after he became the chairman. Like, remember, he cracked Cody with the chair and like busted him open, yeah. And then he became, then he was with Tully after that. So I think he was just needed a place to wrestle. Um, Glacier, Jungle Boy, uh, Tommy Dreamer, and of course the Joker was Adam Page, and Adam Page won uh, by eliminating uh, MJF at the end. Yeah, yeah good old match- shot. This match lasted 16 minutes. And what do you think Meltzer gave it? Wow. 16 minutes for a battle royal. That's uh, pretty good. There's a lot of people in that. 21 men. So most guys didn't get a minute. And you know the last little bit lasted at least a few minutes. So wow. I'm going to go Meltzer gave this a solid 3.75. Ah, three stars. Oh, wow. I I overshot it. I overshot it. I I thought Meltzer being, you know, such a lover of AEW would, you know, jade his perspective. You, uh, you gotta get your, uh, gotta get used to the water. You just, uh, dipped your toes in. I got used to the water and you're going to get it. You're going to have a much better week this week. I think with guessing Meltzer's ratings. 
it helps that I'll actually remember these matches much better than a lot of the backlash matches because this all it's only 2019. It was only three years ago, so okay. Um the and that was also on the pre-show as well. But uh another pre-show match was Sammy Guevara versus Kip Sabian. Uh it was just a regular old singles match and Kip Sabian actually defeated Sammy Guevara, which is weird to think about in 2022 that that's the route they were going. Yeah, man, they really did not think much of Sammy Guevara at this point. And... I don't know if that were the case. I think they thought more of Kip Sabian because on the British independent scene, like he was like a uh, real up and comer and stuff like that. So I but I think they changed course real quick because like he, Sammy Guevara was like a Cody Rhodes and then like a Jericho handpicked guy. So yeah, yeah that match lasted match? 10 minutes right on the dot. What do you think Meltzer gave it? 3.5. Oh, right, you're getting closer. 3.25. Oh, all right. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bet right now. There's nothing on this show below three stars. Well, I haven't looked at all the ratings, so uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I guess we'll find out soon. I, the opening of the pay per view was a six man tag team match, and it was SCU, which was Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. Against Stronghearts, which was Seema, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. And I do not remember this match at all. And Stronghearts were, were not a part of AEW for a long because I don't remember them at all. They were. that When AEW started, who were they? There was a promotion they were working with right away. Yeah. I think I it was remember. AAA. Was it Triple A? Yeah. Yeah. Because they did like Fighter Fest with them and um, a few Yeah, because other... they have the Triple A tag championships around this card. So I'm sure that's where they were from. Uh, obviously, SCU won. And uh, they won in 13 minutes and 40 seconds. I'm going to go at my base for this show, which I think is three stars. You think the match is three stars? Yeah. You undershot it by a full star. It's, it was a four-star match. Holy God, I don't remember this match being that good. No, I don't even remember it at all. But, I mean, I guess with the competitors, I'm, I'm assuming I Stronghearts. Yeah, I did too. I'm just assuming Stronghearts are like luchadors. So, I mean, I can see that being a good matchup with uh, who was on the other side. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of uh, shot myself in the foot there by not respecting Christopher Daniels. The next match was a four-way match, women's match, which featured Nyla Rose, Kylie Ray, and Awesome Kong with Brandy Rhodes and uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Uh, Britt Baker won in 11 minutes and 10 seconds. So they got more time than your usual, like, WWE Backlash Women's match. What do you think Meltzer rated this four-way match? 
was this for like number one contendership or anything? I can't remember because the belt wasn't around yet. No, it didn't say anything about that. It just was a four-way match. Hmm. Uh, I am going to say 3.5. Three stars. Damn it. <sighs> this game infuriates me. The next match was a tag team match. And this is fun to like look back and to see like where AEW was right at the beginning compared to now. Because it was uh, and Helico and Jake or Jack Evans, who is no longer a part of the company, facing best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Retta, who technically are like in the faction best friends, but are no longer a tag team because they reunited uh, Rapungi 3K Vice. No Vice. Oh yeah, Rapungi Vice. Yeah. That's that's what I was getting like caught up. I almost wanted to say Rapungi 3K too, but uh, which I'm jacked about because I think that's the better tag team. Even though I do love Chuck Taylor, but uh, obviously best friends won this because they're going uh, they're going Ring of Honor heavy right here because that's where everyone is from basically, and they're all young bucks and Cody's friends. So, yep. This match was 12 minutes and 35 seconds. Chad, what do you think Meltzer ranked it? Uh, 3.75. You got it. Oh, there we go. There we go. Right on the head. So far, there hasn't been a match under three stars. So your prediction is holding up. Uh, The next match was a six-woman tag team match. Two women's matches on the card. Very progressive for 2019. We had... Akira Shida, Rio, and Rio Mizunami, they defeated Asia Kong, Emi Sakuru, and Yuka Sakazaki, something like that. I think that's how you say it. Uh, I didn't know that uh, we were doing these names anymore because we're not doing news. So, anyways, they won. Sorry. They won in 13 minutes and 10 seconds. Wow, they got a lot of time. A 13-minute tag match. That's that's pretty awesome. And remember, before I haven't looked at the ratings, I'm just going to give you a little advice. All these women are Japanese, and it's Dave Meltzer who is doing the ratings. Yeah. I haven't looked, so I don't hopefully I'm not throwing you off. Well, well what I do you think? Gonna, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna overshoot this one, but I'm gonna throw it uh, a four-star rating here. I think uh, you, you did overshoot it, but not by much. 3.75. Oh, see, that's and at the last 0.25 was for that. It was a full on just uh, like overseas matchup. And I thought Dave Meltzer would have given it that for being on an AEW pay-per-view. But all right, I'll take 3.75. The next three matches were like the matches everybody was waiting for. And this next one might have been match of the night. I can't remember for sure because it's not. It's been so long since I watched it, but the next match is Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, versus Dustin Rhodes, just in a singles match. Oh, and, yeah. And, oh, man, this match was bloody, and, yeah, it was awesome. It was the match that the WWE never did, the match that these guys always wanted to do, and Dustin Rhodes is the best he's ever been since joining AEW. Like, they actually let him be a wrestler. He's not a gimmick. 
and the dude can actually wrestle and he was held back for so many years it's sad that like this guy if they would have actually treated him right he probably could have been a world champion it's it's nuts but yeah cody rhodes won in 22 minutes and 30 seconds chad what did dave Meltzer rate this match I'm pretty sure he didn't break the scale for it, but I'm next to positive that they gave he gave it a five-star rating on this one. Ding, 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 ding. Chad, yeah. you got it right again. Yeah, this was, a, I remember this match pretty vividly. And yeah, dude, Dustin Rhodes somehow turned back the clock. And he was always, a you know, they, you're probably right. He was just, you know, such a gimmick wrestler in WWE that he never could show this, but... God damn, can he still go even for his age? I mean, the match he just had with CM Punk a few weeks ago was great. Yeah, the match he had against uh, Brian Danielson like later last year too. Uh, he can go, and it's like he wasn't just a gimmick in WWE, WCW, uh, TNA. Like everywhere he went, like that's how he was treated was but i mean he was also like addicted to drugs and an alcoholic and he's cleaned up his life and like he's in the best shape of his life but it's crazy every time you see him wrestle it's like dude this guy is not the same guy that was wrestling when i was a kid that was kicking people in the nuts you know yeah. like he talking about the golden globes it's it's amazing like how good of a wrestler he is and i've always been a fan and i've never been more of a fan of his than i am right now could could anyways the next match was the only title match on the card because it was the tag team titles or the triple a tag team championship and it was the young bucks who were the champions they defeated the Lucha Bros. And this match was 24 minutes and 55 seconds. Chad, what did Dave Meltzer rate it? Man, like this is recent enough and like I would have watched news stories on what these ratings would have been. So I'm trying to think, were there multiple five-star matches on this card? Because these two tag teams, and this was like at the height when they were just constantly having matches. So they were just constantly trying to outdo themselves. And these matches were really great. I don't think it was another five-star match. I'm going to go four, seven, five. Ding, 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 ding. You got it right again. Mm. Nailed it. All right. I'm feeling, I'm feeling well. flying high. I mean, I'm pretty sure you only got like three right the last time. Yeah. And like two and both weeks, and you got three right in this one show. So uh you're doing good. I told you you just had to like get used to the water, man. Yeah. So we have the main event, which was a singles match, and the winner of this match will faced Adam Page at all out for the inaugural AEW World Championship. And this match was Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. So obviously, if you know the history of AEW, Chris Jericho beat Kenny Omega because uh, he was the first world champion. And this match was exactly 27 minutes. And from my memory, it wasn't as good as their encounters in New Japan. But also, Red Shoes was not the referee. So that made a difference as well. Pretty sure this is the first time he busts out the Judas Effect elbow.
I don't rem- I don't recall, but it does sound familiar. Uh, yeah, I remember this match being solid and not nearly as good yeah, as their uh, Wrestle Kingdom uh, encounters or anything like that. But I think it was still a real good match. And it was Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, so clearly it was a good match. But how good was it? I'm going to go 4.5. 4.25. Damn it! That's I'm not even shitting you. That's what I was going to go with. And then I put it over one extra thing because it's Kenny Omega and Dave Meltzer loves himself some fucking Kenny Omega. Shit! So, uh, you are right. Jericho won this match with the Judas effect. And after the match... John Moxley made his debut and attacked both Jericho and Omega. And that is when he did the uh, what's paradigm it called? Shift. The paradigm shift on the chips, the poker chips to Kenny Omega, which yep. is a really cool visual. It's a way better name in New Japan that they call it the Death Killer. <laughs> the Death Rider. Death Rider, I mean, yeah, not Death Killer, Death Rider. Yeah. I agree, but uh, it's still, I mean, Dirty Deeds wasn't a bad name either. No, not at all. So, I mean, I like also that he's doing it the way he used to do it as well. Or like when he's like really mad too. It's not like all the time. Sometimes he'll just do the double underhook DDT, but then sometimes he actually like lifts them up and drops them, which is awesome. So, 100%. So, now we're going to be moving on to uh, Double or Nothing 2020. And this was during the pandemic. That show was in front of an empty arena. I'm pretty sure it was at Dailies because this is when like I said it was the pandemic era of AEW, which I thought they handled as good as they could. And it's... It's nice that they always will have like a home. You'll always remember that every time they go to Daly's place, it's like that's their home base. And I like that. But uh, it's their full sale. Yeah, for sure. And it's outside of the stadium, which actually uh, played a part in uh, this uh, pay per view, which I believe also played a part in the 2021 Double or Nothing as well. And they teased. Uh, for 2022, but uh, John Moxley said uh, he ain't doing that shit, which (laughs) I love that part. Anyways, first match, pre-show match was a tag team match to determine the number one contenders for the AEW World Tag Team Championship and it was the best friends who defeated Private Party and I believe Private Party was they were still faces at this time because Matt Hardy just joined AEW and he was still he was still kind of broken. Yeah. Like I don't like Matt Hardy was it was weird when Matt Hardy came, right? Like he was broken and then and then he was nostalgic Matt Hardy at times and then he was broken again and he had that like uh that cinematic match against um Sammy Guevara, which I actually loved, but a lot of people hated, but yeah. I thought it was good. It was good fun. But yeah, I don't know. Matt Hardy definitely didn't have any direction when he came to AEW. And that's not to say that if uh, Jeff Hardy didn't join, he would have any direction going right now. I mean, 
let's be honest, he, he didn't have any, yeah, right, right. He didn't have any direction until Jeff Hardy came. Yeah. And because the Hardy family, whatever, that was that was dumb. Uh yeah, that and, and now uh, it's Andrade, which it just it's, it's it didn't work. And now you put Andrade in it, which it is like lowering his stock, in my opinion. It's I don't know. I guess the best match or one of the best matches Matt Hardy had since being in AEW is against Orange Cassidy and Dynamite that we were there for when he yeah. got busted open the hard way, which was uh, pretty cool. But yeah, so best friends won the match in 15 minutes and 10 seconds. What do you think Meltzer rated this match? 3.25. 2.25. Ooh. Just going to warn you, I think Meltzer was in a pretty shitty mood while watching this show. Uh, I think that Meltzer really did not like the no arena or the no fans in the arena. I think it really took a lot off of his ratings. Yeah, these ratings, like the last show didn't have rating under three. Like, yeah, I would. Yeah, this he was not. He didn't like this show, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for the warning. Uh, the next match was the casino ladder match for a future AEW championship match. And this one had people like Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Brian Cage, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, and Frankie Kazarian and Luchasaurus. And I believe the Joker was Brian Cage, and he won the whole damn thing. And yeah, he was number one contender for the world championship right out gates. And they kept on doing that. They bring people in, and they would feed them to Jericho, or they feed them to Moxley. And it was like, okay, what do you do with this guy now? You know. Brian Cage never recovered from that. And now he's just been off TV for a while and like wonder when he's coming back. But anyways, I think think you picked Brian Cage to be your first guy to defect from AEW to WWE. And uh, I could definitely see that happening. Well, they just picked up his option. So he's got like another year. So, I mean, I don't know. I think they're putting WWE's putting all their eggs in the MJF and Wardlow baskets right now. I think that Brian Cage may be on their radar, but like they would much rather have Wardlow. And honestly, I would too. Uh, Wardlow was my guy who I picked that would jump. You did. You did. And like that might happen, but like it's crazy. I, I like Wardlow a lot. I like the way AEW presented him like very slowly but like what they did worked like really really well. All right. Anyways, uh, this match for... was 28 minutes and 30 seconds long. Holy crap. Wow. Almost 30 minutes for this match. Oh, uh, I can't believe Meltzer would hate on this. Something there was there were some good spots in it, but I don't think it was a great one. So I'm going to go 375. 3 stars. Ooh, wow. Jeez for a ladder match. That's rough. The next match was Speak of the Devil MJF with Wardlow. 
defeating Jungle Boy just in a plain old singles match in 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Would this have been for the diamond ring? We put it on the line for it? No, because that always happened like on dynamites. Yeah, you're right. And like that happens like in October. Yeah, yeah, you're right on that. Oh, well, MJF's always great. And I think Jungle Boy, this is when people started really like saying Jungle Boy could really do something in AEW. And once again, Daddy Dave can't hate this that much. I'm going to go with 3 5. No, he actually loved this match. He gave it a 4.25. Wow. Jeez, undershot that one. (laughs) Uh, The next match was uh, the tournament final for the inaugural AEW TNT Championship. And it was Lance Archer with Jake Roberts and Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson. And once again, if you know AEW history, you know that Cody Rhodes was the first TNT championship uh, or champion. So yeah, he Cody Rhodes won this match in 22 minutes. What did Meltzer give it? I think like this is when Lance Archer was really like doing some shit. And we're all like, holy fuck, Lance Archer, who we all thought was just a tag team wrestler, is actually super badass. And Meltzer likes Cody. I'm going to go 3.75. Ding, 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 ding. You got it again. Nice. Poor Lance Archer. Never never gets anything. Like, I get it. He's, he's the Kane. Here's a comparison for you. He's basically Kane of the WWE, where everyone uses him as, hey, you know what? I hate you, and I'm going to put you through hell. So you have to face Lance Archer. But then he never wins. It is very true. Like recently where he had that uh, death match against Hangman or where he was squashed by Wardlow. Like that, uh, I can't believe, like I get that they're trying to make Wardlow this beast and everything like that. But like he squashed uh, Lance Archer, who they've also built to be pretty much a beast. And he's going to have an even 50-50 match against MJF at the pay-per-view. That's what's, that's what's messed up about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyways. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that is a great comparison, Lance Archer and Kane. Because, yeah, every time, like, yeah. Well, you know what? Your punishment is you have to face Kane tonight. Like, yeah. yeah. And then you and lose. I like it. And Kane I've loses. never thought about it. Every now and then, Lance Archer will win. And look, they even have, like, to Kane's Paul Bearer, you have Lance Archer's Jake the Snake Roberts. Right? Two totally different voices, though. Yeah. <laughs> but both very distinct. One's very high and annoying. The other one is very low and, like, quiet, but quiet in, like, a very don't fuck with me kind of way which is awesome. That's what's, that's what's always been awesome about Jake Roberts. He's never been loud, but I wouldn't mess with that guy. Plus, he has a giant-ass snake, so I don't like snakes. And we're not but... talking about his penis. <laughs> uh, nice. Nice, you got me there. <laughs> uh, the next match 
was a guy who uh, had a five-star match on last year, the 2019 Double or Nothing, Dustin Rhodes. He got a win again. He defeated Sean Spears in a singles match. This match went three minutes and 20 seconds compared to the 22-minute match he had the year before, which was five stars. What did Meltzer give this match? Did he win by DQ? It didn't give me, it doesn't give me a reason on uh, Wikipedia. I could look up through the, let's see here. He, Rhodes performed a final reckoning suplex on Spears for the victory. Mm. Yeah. I I wasn't, because I knew this would have been when he was the chairman already and he would just whack people and cheat all the time. So didn't know if maybe he got caught cheating. Nope, it looks like uh, Dustin Rhodes won clean in three minutes and 20 seconds. Maybe it was punishment for, uh, like, missing the chair shot on Cody. Maybe. Uh, I am definitely going to say Melter rated this a dud. Nope, he gave it a rating, but he only gave it one star. Oh, wow. Usually when the matches are under five minutes, he doesn't even rate them. So I was, I was going with that. The next match was a no disqualification, no countout match for the AEW Women's World Championship. And it was Nyla Rose, the champion, who was defeated by Hikaru Shida in 16 minutes and 40 seconds. And Shida does not get the credit that she's deserved because during her title reign, the Women's division was pretty poorly booked, and I feel like she was a strong champion. And once she lost to Britt Baker, they kind of just like didn't use her anymore, except for like on dark, which yeah, sucked because she's a good wrestler. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because yeah, Hikaru Shida, as Brett liked to constantly champion for get Shida on dynamite. She deserves a lot more credit for kind of holding the, you know, ship afloat during one of the worst periods of AEW's women's division. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not always been great still. It's not been all sunshine and daisies or anything. But back then, it was real bad. Like, it was really, really, really bad. Uh, But I think that this was probably a fun match. How long was it? 16 minutes and 40 seconds. I, I remember enjoying this match, and I remember being very happy that Nyla Rose got taken out because we were all rooting for it. We were really behind Sheeta. I'm going to go with Meltzer like this one. Four stars. He gave it a 3.75. Ah, so close. Okay, what's the next one? The next match is... Uh... I actually skipped one earlier. Chris da- Chris Salander defeated Penelope Ford in a singles match, which only went five minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, uh, I'm going to go two stars. This match got, where is it? These are out of order for some reason. It doesn't even look like he rated it because I don't see it. Wait, 
This says it was Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. Wikipedia says it was Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. I don't know what happened. Meltzer rated Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander and gave it three stars. <laughs> so I don't know. All right. Well, we'll take it. Anyways, next match was a singles match for the AEW World Championship. And it featured Mr. Brody Lee, who lost to the defending champion, John Moxley. By he lost by technical submission in 15 minutes and 30 seconds. So he went out strong. We think Monster ranked this match. I don't know. I, I didn't love John Moxley's reign. For some reason, it was the like both Moxley and Jericho's reigns felt just a little too long at times. I don't know. I didn't love them. I love the the current reigns have been great though. Except Hangman's. What? Uh so basically only Kenny Omega then, because there's only been four champs. <laughs> I I said what I said and I stand by it. I think that Meltzer didn't love this match and it didn't get enough time. I'm gonna go 3.25. 4.25. Ah, whole star off. Shit. Your words of him not liking the show are still ringing in my head. Yeah, and I guess I was wrong. I just saw the one star match and yeah, there's a 2.25 in there too. I didn't realize that was the pre-show. <laughs> That's fair. Anyways, the main event was the first ever stadium stampede match, which featured the elite, which was Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Matt Hardy, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson. And they defeated the inner circle, which was Chris Jericho, Jake Hagar, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz in 34 minutes. Oh, this, I remember this match being way too long. <laughs> yeah, but this was the better of the two. Like last year's, and we'll talk about that in a minute, wasn't as great. Yeah. I I, I think that these matches, they're, they're not the best at these matches for some reason. Like AEW doesn't do this chaos as well as the WWE does this kind of chaos. And I don't know why. I just don't feel like they do. This match... There were some cool spots in it. I think this is when Matt Hardy gets concussed really badly, right? No, that was a match later against uh, at the next pay-per-view at All Out, I believe, against uh, Sammy Guevara. I knew it was against Sammy Guevara. I can't remember who it was now. No, it wasn't even a ladder match. He just climbed a ladder backstage for some reason. And when Matt Hardy went to do a table spot, he missed the table and didn't just get concussed. He was knocked out cold. Yeah, it was bad. I couldn't remember if that was a stadium brawl, but yeah, I'm going to go with Meltzer because it's got the Young Bucks in it. Four stars. Well, if uh, you remember from Backlash, Meltzer does not rate cinematic matches because they're oh, highly yeah. edited. So you failed, Chad. You failed, you failed this test. Son I was going to tell you, and I was going to see if you remember, but now you'll remember for the future. I will. I will remember. Shit, I forgot. It doesn't rank or edited matches. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Okay, now we're moving to Double or Nothing 2021, which was last year, and it was also the first show where they actually had like fans again. 
Like I remember it being a really big deal and I was really excited for it because there's nothing like having fans at your wrestling event. So me. Okay. Here we go. Pre-show match. First match was, oh, I remember this one being a really good match was uh, Serena Deeb and she defeated uh, Rio, and this was for the NWA Women's Championship, and Serena Deeb was the champion. This was actually the first of their, like, rivalry. And this rivalry's been going for an entire year. They haven't really done a good job with this rivalry because it's, it's lasted way too long. But I remember this match in particular was really, really good. It was still light out when yeah. they had this match, and it, like, it just, I don't know, it just made it really look looked really cool. Dailies looked really cool with the light. Um, yeah, Serena Deeb won in 14 minutes and five seconds. I think this was, I do remember this being a good match. And yeah, sometimes the light, because uh, they've had, you know, WrestleManias and such where it's light out still. And sometimes it can either add or subtract from the match. And I do remember this one being one there where it did definitely add to it. I also think back to Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins where it was light out. And that was a really good match in the light. The one I think of, uh, WrestleMania, um, I believe it was Rich Swan versus Austin Aries. Or was it Neville? Was Neville the champ then? I can't remember. I don't know. Could have been. I think it was I Neville. Remember. I, yeah, I think it might have been Neville. He just couldn't beat him. Yep. And I remember that was his last match, too. He was just sitting outside of the ring. I just, I don't know. I remember that match just being awesome. Austin Aries' uh, uh, 205 live run was probably one of the best of his career, like short of some of his Ring of Honor stuff. Yeah, or his uh, impact stuff where he cashed in the X Division Championship for a world title shot and actually won it. True. Anyways, what do you uh, give this match? What do you think he gave this match? I'm going to go 375. Four stars. Ah, I undershot it. And like this match actually sticks out in my mind. And so I would agree with the four stars. So the first match on the card, which I also remember being a pretty like banger of a match and it was still light out. And I just remember this show just being awesome just for the fact because there were fans there and it was like sold out or as much as they could sell it out but it felt full the chance felt like i don't know it was just felt rejuvenated it was like the coolest thing ever just to see fans of wrestling and never it's thought so that that would yeah i never thought that it would be that cool to see a full arena but uh the opening match was brian cage versus hangman adam page and uh Hangman won this match in 12 minutes. And I remember Hangman got busted open in this match and he was bleeding good. And I think that also added to this match. Uh, what Hangman, do you think? I, I, Hangman looks good with a bloody mask. Like, uh, like he, he just pulls it off. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. A crimson mask. He bleeds a lot. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, like he does. He he does pull it off really well. I think it's because he has the blonde hair. It's the same reason why Ric Flair pulled it off so well. Yeah, I was just thinking of Ric Flair as well. Uh, how long did you say this match was? Sorry. I think it was 12 minutes. Let me go back. 12 minutes, yes. Hmm. I'm going to go with a solid opener. The pre-show match is already a four-star. I'm going to go with four stars here again. 
4.5. Wow, really good opener. Jeez. I don't remember it being pretty good. And I just, like, I remember, like I said, the fans just, like, pumping everything up. Like, it was the energy in the, like, building, like, made these guys even go harder. And they're, like, it's a good matchup, too. Yeah. Um, The next match was tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And it was the champion Young Bucks with Brandon Cutler. They defeated John Moxley and Eddie Kingston by pinfall in 21 minutes. Oh, man. Such a weird tag team. They're coming out to Wild Thing. They like, were getting all pissed about Nick Jackson's uh, shoes and everything like that. And it was a weird little feud that they had with this. I can't believe this was a year ago already. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's crazy. But at the same how- time... At the same time, it feels like it was so much longer ago. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I feel like this was so long ago that John Moxley was with Eddie Kingston, and it was a year ago. Wow, this that's was, crazy. This was pre-rehab, Moxley. Yeah, yeah, where before he, all he drank his blood. Back then, yeah. he drank a lot of other things. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Dave Meltzer loves himself some Young Bucks and Kingston and Moxley. Some- Yep, he loves all four of those men. Yeah, I'm gonna go with another. He went four or five to start. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick that maybe they stuck at a four or five. Four seven five. Wow, I did not see that coming. I thought it was gonna go down. Jeez, I should have gone up. The uh, next match was the Casino Battle Royal for a future AEW World Championship match. And they're, I don't feel like going through the list of people. Uh, the Joker was Leo Rush. And the thing we talked about like a few weeks ago, like how much of a disappointment Leo Rush was as a whole as his career so far. He's still young, but like he needs an attitude change. I think that is the only thing that he needs to fix to be like a great wrestler. This needs an attitude yeah. change. But anyways, Jungle Boy won the Casino Battle Royal by eliminating Christian Cage. Huh. Wow. I forgot that uh, that happened. It was Christian. He wasn't Impact Champion yet, was he? Kenny Omega was still the champion. Yeah. Yeah, because so, yeah. Kenny Omega would go, like, this is right before he would lose the Impact Championship to Christian because that was when he was he was feuding with Jungle Boy. Uh, yeah. That's how they all got intersected. Yeah, and, yeah, then Christian won, yeah, Christian won the Impact Championship on the first Rampage. Yep. Yep, that's right. Okay, the next week, oh, we didn't do a... Uh... I think that I remember the crowd going effing nuts for Jungle Boy winning this match. Like it was a huge, it was like one of those massive pops where you don't even expect it to be as big as it was. And Meltzer, I think, loved it. I'm going four, two, five. Three, two, five. Wow. Big drop off. Big drop off, folks. The next match was a singles match. Uh, And probably. 
can go down as the worst built match and the worst underwhelming match and one of the worst matches that actually hurt a young up-and-coming star more than it did any good for anything in AEW history, and that was Anthony Akogo versus Cody Rhodes. And, yeah, Cody Rhodes won in 10 minutes and 55 seconds. I believe that was a year ago. Like, that's one of those situations, like, this felt like at least three or four years ago. Like Such a misstep. They, they went the whole first half of 2021, like showing Anthony and Gogo just knocking everybody out with one punch. And they go up against Cody Rhodes and he basically squashes the dude. Like yeah. he takes his punch and he no sells it. And it's like, and then he wins the match. And then it's like, no, Anthony and Gogo got hurt. Now he's just not on TV and he's never going to be credible or it's going to be really hard to make him credible because. You did all that work to build him up just to have Cody Rhodes, who's now with another company, yeah. like, to like tear him down. It's crazy. This is bad. This was such a misstep. And don't get me wrong, the whole Nightmare Factory versus the Nightmare Family storyline was an entirely a misstep on its own because it was bad. It was not great. And it really didn't help elevate anybody at all. And it just felt like it just felt like a bad like every time it came up on dynamite or rampage it was like oh well i guess i can go grab a soda or something right now because i don't i don't need to see this i know what's going to happen cody rhodes is going to get beat up for a while then he's going to come back and he's going to squash whoever beat him up that that segment where they had the weigh-in with the big show and he couldn't work the skill was like cringeworthy yeah some rough stuff uh i'm gonna go with Meltzer. also hated this and i'm gonna go one star yeah, he was generous. He gave it a 2.25. I think he was still like riding high on the first few matches. It's fair. The fan, the fan uh, outrage of yelling at Cody Rhodes probably even helped him give it a few more points. The next match was a singles match for the AEW TNT Championship. And for the second year in a row, Lance Archer is the challenger. And he's facing the champion, Miro. Miro defeated Lance Archer by technical submission in nine minutes and 50 seconds, which once again, your Kane theory, it works, but I mean, Miro had to win the match, right? Yeah. Oh, Miro had to win. Miro could like, might talk about this in a minute. I'm going to bring it up now. Sidebar. Sidebar. I'll just bring up the topic and you can expect for us to talk about it later. Is Miro going to be the Joker in the Casino Battle Royal? Think about uh, it. I mean, now that you've said that, if he's not, now I'm going to be upset because, yeah, he fucking should be. But it also could be like Johnny Gargano, too. Who knows? But, anyways, uh, yeah, Miro won, technical submission, nine minutes, 50 seconds. What do you think, Monster rated this match? Another technical submission loss for Lance Archer. Man, just what a what a weird career he's carved himself out in AEW. I'm going to go with this was, 
I, I actually kind of remember this match, and this was just two guys beating the shit out of each other for like 10 minutes. It was only 10 minutes, that I remember, but it felt much longer because it was a very impactful match. I'm going to go 375. 3.25. Ah, overshot it. The next match was for the AEW Women's World Championship, and we had the champion Sheeta who held the championship for an entire year from double or nothing to double or nothing. And she was defeated by Britt Baker, who almost held her title from double or nothing to double or nothing, but uh, just quite didn't make it. She lost back in March, I think. Um, Yeah, this match was 17 minutes and 20 seconds long. And I remember enjoying this match and being happy that Britt Baker won because it felt like it was the right call. It was time. I, I remember we definitely were siding with Dr. DMD Britt Baker. Not because we were against Sheeta, just because it was time for Britt Baker to be champion. And her title run shows that she needed to be champion. I, I also remember enjoying this match. I'm going to go four stars. 3.5. Yeah. Now I'm riding high from the first two matches and I'm overshooting these things. So the next match, I can't remember if this was Sting's first match, but it was Darby Allen and Sting. They defeated the men of the year by pinfall in just a regular tag team match in 12 minutes and 30 seconds. So this wasn't the cinematic match they had? No. Okay. No, they had the cinematic match with Team Taz. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep, duh. Hmm, man. I Does the nostalgia ring up the stars for Meltzer? Was Meltzer a big Sting fan? I remember Sting once again for being old as shit, looking great. Every time he stepped into the ring for AEW, he's looked good, which is just wild to say. He's jumping off balconies and shit. Like, yeah. dude, it's like, calm down, man. Calm down. Almost, You're 100 almost years died, old. Almost died from a buckle bomb. You don't need to be doing this shit. Yeah, he wants you to live forever. Like, I don't know. Is he getting doing the stem cell treatments like Nash and uh, Rey Mysterio or something? Because dude is just wild and he's in his 60s. And it's just, it's insane. It is insane. Uh, Meltzer gave this match three stars. 3.5 stars. Ah, see, now I undershot it because I was trying to overcompensate. Shit. The next match was a triple threat match for the AEW World Championship, and it was champion Kenny Omega. He defeated Orange Cassidy and Pac by pinfall in 27 minutes. Wow, I forgot that this was a triple threat match. Uh, I forgot all about this. Uh, I mean, with these three guys, this had to be a great match. Uh, I'm going to go 475. 4.5. 4.5. Ah, overshot yes. just by a touch. I remember this being a great match too. And I remember the build because like Orange Cassidy and Pac were uh, like feuding over number one contendership. And then they both were number one contender. I just, I don't know. I remember this match being a lot of fun because you had, because all three guys are like great wrestlers and they pulled out like everything. And yeah, 
Dude, the Pac-10 Omega shit. feud is underrated in AEW. It's been some great matches and a lot of great promos. Like, I want some more Pac Kenny Omega once Kenny Omega comes back. They uh, definitely need to stop doing the Stadium Stampede match as the main event too, because because that is the main event, and in my opinion, it kind of left you with uh, like bad taste in your mouth just because. It was already a pretty long show, and by the time it was over with, because it was a 31-minute-and-a-half match, I didn't, like, it's just like, ah, just wanted to go to bed because it was like, I was pretty bored at that point because the match wasn't even great. But, yeah, it was the inner circle versus the pinnacle. I mean, there were some good spots, like the bar fight with uh, FTR and uh, Proud and Powerful. That was pretty yeah, fun. That was uh, fun. But this I mean, is pretty forgettable. Like I'm trying to like bring like ring my memory back for. Everything I mean, that it's gonna be. I mean, there's some history because uh, Urban Meyer was in the back, you know, because he's the he was the old coach of the. Uh, I mean, at the time he was the coach of the Jaguars, and he lasted like a little over half the season before he got fired. So yeah. I mean, before that's always that gonna be grinding up on him. I mean, it was even after that. He kicked his kicker. Uh, like, yeah, he did a lot of dumb shit. Uh, couldn't win a game until they got to London, and then they won finally. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be a bit of trivia forever that uh, Urban Meyer is in that, like, match, <laughs> weirdly. Yeah. But, yeah, and then the, then it was really stupid because they went, like, ended up in the ring. Uh, and Sammy Guevara ended up getting the win over Sean Spears, if I remember correctly. and. Sounds right. Yeah, and I remember like Sammy Guevara was like at the height of like being super over until they started turning on him like they did like Seth Rollins a few years back. But yeah, this match sucked in my opinion. If you remember from the last one, the monster doesn't rank these, so you don't even guess. So that's all of the former Double or Nothings. Now we get to make our picks for the 2022 double or nothing. And the go home dynamite and rampages haven't happened yet. So card is scheduled to change, but what we have on Wikipedia so far is first match of the pre-show is actually a match that I want to see just because it's just awesome. It's Hookhausen, which I'm so jacked that they are a tag team and they're already named Hookhausen <laughs> versus uh, Tony Nice and Mark Sterling, which I love smart Mark Sterling. I think it, he's an awesome character. And I love that it's like old school wrestling. He's like Bobby Heenan. He's not just like with, he's not Paul Heyman where he's just with one act. He's all over the place. He represents MJF and he represents Tony Nese. And like, yeah, I, like, yeah, this match is going to be fun. But I mean, Hookhausen's definitely going to win. Oh man, Hookhausen's winning by a long shot. Like Hook is one of the most over things in AEW right now. And man, kid's a badass. It's, it's so fun. And Danhausen's always wild. And you know, who doesn't love a good comedy act where the one guy's a super badass and the other guy is just crazy, wild, and weird? I'm in. I mean, I like how their tag team was formed like the Superpowers tag team was formed with a handshake. Yeah. Like, Ooh. 
<sighs> oh man, I like the build to them becoming a tag team is like really ridiculous, but I mean it works on like so many different levels because of the seriousness of Hook, but also like he's laid back like Orange Cassidy, but then like the comedy like angle of Danhausen and trying to curse him all the time and like it just it it shouldn't work, but it works and it's awesome. It works so well. and. So it's like Hook not a part of Team Taz anymore. Like they didn't, he's not with them. They don't ever mention anything about him anymore. Like, I don't know. Team Taz kind of fizzled out. They're like kind of like barely hanging on. They were kind of DOA, let's be honest. Yeah. So we both got Hook housing. Uh the next match on the pre-show is a singles match for the AEWTBS championship which is Jade Cardgill versus Anna Jay. And Jade Cardgill is not losing the championship yet. And I think the first title change definitely will not be on a pre-show. It would be more on a dynamite, maybe a rampage or a pay-per-view. So, yeah. Yep, 100%. Once again, on your same page, Jade Cargill is great as a TBS champion. It's the first champion. I think they're trying to not do what they're doing with the TNT championship where they're, you know, just hot potatoing it everywhere. So you want to establish some prestige, let Jade Cargill keep beating up bitches and beating people up and winning. So the next match, which is the first match Wikipedia has for the card is a men's own heart cup tournament final and it's either going to be Adam Cole is already in the match. Bay Bay. So it's either going to be a final of Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe or Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly, which I mean, I kind of want to see both. Like, I kind of want it to be Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly because I feel like there's still stuff left in the tank from what they did in NXT that they weren't like able to do. And I feel like they're going to like take it up a notch, even if like at the end, they're still friends. Cause I don't want them to like, I don't want to tear up the undisputed elite yet. It's way too early for that. But like, I still feel like Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly is the better of the two options, even though, that's exactly that's what's gonna happen. Let's get honest. Samoa Joe is gonna lose because of Jay Lethal. I'm I'm calling it. It's gonna be Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. And I think Kyle O'Reilly is gonna win the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Kyle O'Reilly's gonna win the tournament. I you know, if it's Kyle O'Reilly, I think that's the story you tell. And we basically kind of do exactly what they did. Once again, to reference the Cruiserweight Classic, we set the seed. Right here, just like we did with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano way back when with the Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly thing where Kyle barely gets the win. And afterwards, you know, Adam Cole, it looks like he might freak out for a second, but then just shakes his hand. But you know in your head that this is the first moment where he's like, son of a bitch, I'm going to kill this guy again. Well, I mean, and their NXT stuff is a little bit canon. Like they, they brought it up. Like well, after Kyle Riley joined AEW, and he didn't trust them, trust each other right away. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, they work so well together already that 
and Kyle Riley is the best he's ever been, and he just keeps on getting better and better. Adam Cole's Adam Cole, but I feel like it's Kyle O'Reilly. I feel like they were trying to push him in NXT and they just ran out of time because his contract was up. I feel that uh, Tony Khan feels the same way. I'm going Kyle O'Reilly. Once again, I hate to do it, but I'm going to once again agree with you. So basically, Tony Nese and Mark Sterling is going to win and it changes the new AEW TBS championship. And Samoa Joe is winning the Men's Own Heart Tournament Cup final. Yeah. Okay. And next match is for the Women's Owen Hart Cup Tournament Final, which we don't have anybody like that's in the match yet. So it's either going to be Tony Storm or Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho or Chris Statlander. And I mean, I'm just going to pick the match. It's going to be Rip Baker versus Ruby Soho. And I think they're going to give it to Ruby Soho. Somehow, some way, I think she's going to pull it out. I think they're going to try to, they've been featuring her a little more the last couple of weeks on TV. Uh, maybe they're going to start doing something with her. I have hopes that they will. So I'm going to go with. Britt Baker and Adam Cole both losing in the finals of the Owen Hart Cup tournament. I like that thought. I'm actually, though, going to take the exact opposite match because I'm going to take Tony Storm taking on Chris Statlander because I feel like Tony Storm's the newest toy in the toy box, so they want to push her. And then also, Chris Statlander, they've kind of repackaged her a little bit. She's not really the same alien character she was before with the best friends. They've kind of changed up her character a little bit and then pushing her a little bit. So once again, I could see them. Britt Baker doesn't need this win here. She was just champion for forever. And Ruby Soho, unfortunately, I could see her winning, but I just think that Chris Statlander, like, is there someone they're pushing? But then I think Tony Storm wins it all and becomes the first ever Owen Hart uh, women's champion or tournament winner. Yeah, that makes sense. Tony Storm, if she beats Britt Baker... It's definitely gonna win. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're probably right, but I'm gonna stick with what I said just because I said it, and I don't want to have everything that we agree on. But yeah, you're probably right. Uh, the next match they have on Wikipedia is singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship, and it's champion Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. And I think that it's gonna be Thunder Rosa. It's too early. And take the title off of her, but Serena Deeb is a good opponent for her, so it should be a good match. But I think Thunder Rosa is going to win. Yeah, I think it'll be a really fun match. Uh, but yeah, they can't take the title off Thunder Rosa right away. I feel like the title reign hasn't even really started. I feel like they haven't done very much with Thunder Rosa's title reign so far, and so yeah, she has to beat Serena Deeb here. The next match is a three-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Jack this match. It's going to be a good one, but I find it like odd that back-to-back pay-per-views, the champions have uh, a tri- triple threat. Yeah. But yeah, it's the Lucha Express with Christian Cage versus Team Taz, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. 
And I, I'm almost 100% that Team Taz isn't going to win this match. Yeah. I, I feel like this they're kind of falling into the same, like, thing that they fell into last, like, pay-per-view, where you have two teams that, like, are feuding with each other, and the tag team champions are kind of just, like, put in the middle of it. Even though the last match, I thought the uh, Jungle Express performed the best out of all the tag teams. And, like, yeah. I think that the Jungle Express is going to retain, but it's going to be for the same reason because Team Taz and Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, like, cost each other. I am going to disagree, and I'm going to take – it's time for new champions – but I'm going to say that Team Taz is just there to take the pinfall. And thus, then we'll actually have a Jungle Express feud with both Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. As I think they really have heard the outcry of not putting Keith Lee or Swerve Strickland into bigger programs immediately. And are trying to remedy that. And I think them as champions would be a lot of fun at least for a little while, and then their eventual feud would be great. Yeah, I mean, that would be a great feud. Um, I mean, this could finally be when Christian Cage turns, too, because he gets too upset that they lost the tag titles. He's kind of been, like, weird, uh, like, lately. Like, he's almost like he's uh, Jungle Boy's father. It's, it's, It's a weird relationship they have right now. Yeah, and they also, you can uh, see, like, they're definitely playing it off a little bit. Like, when Christian Cage, like, accepted the challenge for this, like, you'd see both Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, like, looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You're not you're not the champion. Fuck off. Right. Uh, moving on to the next match. This match is an anarchy in the arena match. So instead of Stadium Stampede, we got anarchy in the arena. And it is the Jericho Appreciation Society, which is Chris Jericho, Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Daniel Garcia, and Jake Hager, which I I love this group just because it's fun. I think it's fun. They're facing off against Eddie Kingston, Santana, Ortiz, and the Blackpool Combat Club, which is Brian Danielson and John Moxley with William Regal accompanying them and I mean this match is basically what I'm guessing is just anything goes match it's going to be a street fight it's going to be the same thing as the stadium stampede except they're not going to be on a football stadium they're going to be all over the place so I it will be fun but at the same time it'll be one of those matches where if I had to go to the bathroom, this would probably be the match I go to the bathroom for just because it's a meaningless match. And it's it's just to get them to the blood and guts match. Yeah. Like they had to have this match. It's same thing with the stadium stampede last year. They needed that match to get to the blood and guts match. So and that's why I got the Jericho Appreciation Society winning yeah, this. Exactly. I agree with you. Uh, and William Regal is going to be the one to challenge him to blood and guts. Yeah. I also got Eddie Kingston taking the loss in this match. Just to really twist the knife. Yeah. But who's going to who's going to pin him? 
Oh, probably Jericho. Okay. This is uh like this is a full on like this is a sports entertainer's dream match. Like you can sell that story pretty easily, and then Blood and Guts is a fighter's you know dream match. So yeah, the Jericho Appreciation Society has to win here. Hopefully, it hit someone with a golf cart. Had it every other year. The next match is a six man tag match that they've been building. For a really long time, so hopefully this is the blow-off and both teams can move on to something different, and that is the House of Black versus the Death Triangle. And House of Black has to win. Like, if they don't win, then they kind of, they lose traction and everything that they've done since last summer, since they brought Malachi Black in, is all for naught. And it's like, you might as well just, like, give up on this gimmick and start afresh. So, I think the House of Black has to win this match. I uh, agree with you completely. House of Black has to win. I also think, though, you need to split up Death Triangle as well. Yeah, I, know... I was also going to say Penta is coming over. Yeah, He's already Penta could... Dark. He's already Penta Dark. What's What's Black? It's Dark. That's that's true. Like that wordplay right there. It sealed it, sealed it. But yeah, so you gotta destroy Death Triangle and let Phoenix and uh Pac go on their merry way. And then yeah, Pentagon joining the House of Black would be awesome. I'm totally down for that. That's just a prediction I have. I don't know. It might not happen. I, I mean like it could it. be packed too. It could be packed too. They could uh could be all the way from the beginning when like they missed it them. Yeah. I don't get the Julia Hart stuff though. Like, like that was all stupid. They didn't need to. If like she's gonna, if she's not gonna join them, then they didn't need to do like ten weeks of her sitting on the steps, and then like when it came to her joining them, she just says no. That was like the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, super anticlimactic, and I don't really understand why they didn't have her join. I wonder if they didn't do it. Just because the House of Judgment or Judgment Day, whatever Edge's stable is called, just had Rhea Ripley join, like right before that. And they just didn't want to do the same thing that WWE is doing. I mean, honestly, she's not a fit for that group. I think she would have made that group a lot worse. But like, I don't know. They should have just like dropped the whole thing. Like they should have never had her sit on the stairs and like, like, why did she even, like, my, I was thinking to myself one week, she was still in her cheerleading uniform. If she's all moody and, like, all, like, like, controlled by Malachi Black, why is she still dressing in her cheerleading uniform? Why is she coming out with the Varsity Blondes? Like, it just, I don't know. It just, it, there was a lot of holes in this story, and it doesn't make any sense. And I think it was just, the whole thing was just done very, very poorly. Yeah, definite misstep. Anyways, we're talking about a lot of missteps with AEW. So everyone that thinks that we just love AEW and hate on WWE, it's not true. Anyways, next match is a tag team match, which is a dream match that, I mean, you've seen before. But, I mean, it's cool that this is on the biggest stage it's ever happened, and it's the Hardy Boys versus the Young Bucks. And it's basically Hardy Boys versus Hardy Boys 2.0. No. And 
I mean, it was great before. I know this one's not going to have any ladders involved, but, you know, it's going to be nuts. And you know that I'm probably going to be marking out the whole time. The Young Bucks are going to win, though. Yeah, I, I mean, those young and up-and-coming Hardy boys really, you know, <laughs> need this win. But I think it has to go to the Young Bucks here. But, you know, maybe the young and up-and-comer Hardys will get them next time. No, but seriously... They, this is another, this is a fun dream match. This will be a great match. I mean, the Bucks are absolutely fantastic and one of the best tag teams on the planet. The Hardy Boys are from my childhood, the best tag team besides Edge and Christian. And also can still just fucking go in the ring. Jeff Hardy's insane. I don't know like what they put in the water in AEW, but they are just absolutely batshit crazy down there in Florida. Or where's this? Is Texas? Where's this pay-per-view happening? uh las vegas vegas oh duh. it's no, always in vegas yeah, yeah it's always in vegas i'm an idiot oh except but for yeah. last year two yeah. la- last two years the first year it was in vegas <laughs> i said what i said and i stand by it <laughs> yep um yeah this this match is definitely i think it's going to be a good one it's like jeff hardy is He's still Jeff Hardy. Matt Hardy is a little more of a shell of himself, but like he's still good as long as like Jeff Hardy protects him, which he usually does. But yeah, I am excited for this match. And um, then we have the main event of the entire show, which is for the AEW World Championship, and it's your champion, Hangman Adam Page, versus CM Punk. And I am I got CM Punk in this match. I think that they're, they're, they've planted a seed, like, a while ago, like, even before Hangman was champion when they brought CM Punk in. And, like... Like I think this is long-term booking and it was always meant to like meet at this point. I think the whole feud between CM Punk and MJF is all a part of this too. I think that CM Punk is going to win against Hangman Page and he's going to hold the belt for a while and eventually the MJF-CM Punk feud is going to start back up before the title and MJF is going to win it off the CM Punk and he's going to get his win back. And it's going to be Cause I'm not, I'm not hundred percent convinced that the stuff that MJF is saying about leaving in 2024 is real because he's MJF. Yeah. But I mean, like he's that good of being in character all the time. You can never tell if he's being for real or not, but I think either way, it's good for both parties. If he's AEW champion before he leaves, if he leaves. So I think that's the path they're taking is CM Punk is going to win it. And maybe, maybe not at all out, but like down the line or maybe as soon as forbidden door and have him lose in Chicago. Oh, wow. That would, that'd be crazy. And I'll be there. So I'd be down. Yeah. Uh, did we skip MJF versus Wardlow? No, it's not on the card. They haven't, they still have to go through the cage match tonight with uh, um, Sean Spears and Wardlow. Yeah, I think he has to be Sean Spears first before he can get to. So yeah, 
So I'm assuming they'll add that match tonight after. Wardlow has to win that match. Like the fact oh, that yeah, they added sure. the, they could never sign an AEW contract, like kind of ruined it. Like at yeah. least without that, like then there was a little shred that, oh, maybe MJF pulls this out somehow. But like with that being one of the steps, obviously Wardlow's winning. Yeah, but I mean, they can get around that too if uh, MJF does win. Like they, it's wrestling. There's always loopholes. But, like, he could come back and say his name was Low Low War and he's Wardlow's brother. And, yeah. But, or he could come back in an American flag mask and be Mr. America. See, there's always loophole shit. There's so (laughs) many, so many strategies. Whatever. Wardlow's winning that match. I I was super impressed with Wardlow on uh, Dynamite last week. He was taking those lashes and no-selling them. Like... Yeah, that was he wild. He was getting whipped, like he was getting whipped really hard, and like it was like nothing. There's no way, like if someone did that to me, I would not be able to like no sell it. I'd be flinching, like yeah. maybe the first one I wouldn't flinch if I was trying to no sell it, but knowing that there's like nine more coming, I'm gonna be flinching every single time. And he just yeah. sat there like it was nothing. Yeah. That was nuts. Yeah, no, he's he's a wild man. He's a wild man. Uh, but back to the main event. I will also, I, I've said before, I think that this title run has been a little anticlimactic and Hangman is way better chasing than he is his champ. And I think you're right. I think it is time to put the belt on once again, uh, you know, just a nostalgic kind of guy and CM Punk being champion, especially going into like Forbidden Door and trying to get as many eyes on the product as you humanly can for this massive crossover pay-per-view, like it just makes sense. Like both business, both story-wise, both, you know, in wrestling, like of course, CM Punk is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He can get into CM or Hangman Page's head, which he already says he is. I mean, Hangman like trying to do the, or doing the GTS and everything like that. Come on, like CM Punk's in his head. CM Punk might turn a little bit heel, hopefully even to win this match. And then whatever match that he has at Forbidden Door will be massive. Like, and it'll draw in a lot of casual eyes, hopefully. Like, yeah, I'm picking CM Punk as well. Cool. I'm excited for that match, too. I am as well. I mean, that's all we have for all the double or nothings. Yeah. And I think that's about all we have for this week's hashtag TRT. All right, another cracker of an episode that we had ourselves tonight, but that sound effect means it is time for final thoughts. So, Diesel, what have you for us this week? My final thought is you're skipping a segment. Son of a bitch. Roll back the clocks, folks, and hit the sound effect. All right, well, that explosion means that he has himself some issues and we're all gonna hear about them because yes, folks, it is the return of Diesel's Dilemmas. Take it away, Diesel. So last night was my first night back bowling all the way back to August was the last time I bowled. And so I get there and Chad's been in this league. We've been in this league for 11 years. And it's always been the same. 
you it starts at seven o'clock, but warm-ups start at seven o'clock. Well, we get there last night at like 6.55 and I put my shoes on and next thing I know, all the lanes are on and it's game time. And it's like, it's not even seven o'clock yet. So I haven't thrown a ball since August, like thinking that I was going to get 10 minutes from seven to seven ten, like it's always been, never's changed. And like, as we're originals in this league. And that no one consulted me when they decided to change this rule. Because if they would have consulted me, I would have told them to go fuck themselves. I paid thousands of dollars to play in this league. Literally, we have. And maybe not. I mean, as a total for a team. And this is how they do me. They do me dirty. That's not even the worst part. It's these god darn kids that have no, like, regard for, like, how you're supposed to bowl. Like when uh, there is, I can't even think of the word. I need your help, Chad. No, you usually don't interrupt me. But like when you go up to bowl, there's a thing. The coral. What's it? Well, yeah, basically, yeah. So when you go up to bowl, like usually if you're both going up to bowl, it's usually the person to the right goes first unless they have someone bowling next to them or like you have a pre roll agreement, like you go and like you, you both agree. Well, or like if somebody is going to bowl their spare and you're on your first roll, you let them do their spare ball first. Right. It's very simple. It's not very hard rules to follow. Well, these kids we were bowling last night, every time it'd be my spare ball, the kid would just like grab his ball and jump ahead of me so he could roll his first ball. And it was just pissing me off. It's like, have some respect for your elders, little, like little kid. Like what in the hell is wrong with kids today? They don't like, I'm so flabbergasted right now. At, yeah. And this league, like to have new people running it too, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. And I mean, I bowled pretty decent though, so I mean, I guess I can't complain that much. But and one last thing is my back hurts today because I'm old as fuck, and yeah, I haven't been doing any DDP yoga for a while, and I need to get back into that so I can stretch my back out because bowling did a number on me last night. That's my rant. I like it. It was mostly just Diesel yelling about kids today. And once yeah. again, he's back to his old man yelling at clouds persona. And that, that makes me smile. I mean, I'm okay because I, I own a house. I'm I'm a dad now. I can I can do this. Like yeah. I pay a mortgage. I have the right to yell about kids. Yep. You got every right. Get off my yard, you dumb kids. Right? right? I own land. I own land. I own land, and what a note to end Diesel's dilemmas on. Hopefully he'll have some more issues and we'll hear about them soon. All right, for the second time of hearing that sound effect, this time it actually correctly means that it is time for final thoughts. So Diesel, what have you for us this week? So on Saturday, it is my wife's birthday. Yeah, it's so Ooh. weird for me to say. How long did it take you to get used to saying that 
Uh, it's about to be our two-year anniversary here in September, and I still, every once in a while, have a weird little thing when I say it. So, yeah. not yet. Okay, yeah, because it's, it's weird for me, too. I've been saying it a lot just so I can, like, get used to it, but... Doesn't help. It's just, it, it's, it's still new. But, yeah, it's Emily's birthday on Saturday. We're... Uh, it is also Bratfest this weekend, the world's largest Brat festival. Of course, it's in Madison, Wisconsin, because yeah, that's just the way we rock and roll around here. Um, and that's what Emily likes to do every year for her birthday because it usually falls on Memorial Day weekend. And so we're gonna meet her friends out there for lunch and have some brats, and yeah, and then for dinner, we're going to Aaron's Snug Pub and get some delicious food and yeah so we're just gonna pretty much uh chill and then sunday i don't know what we're doing on sunday i'm sure we're doing something on sunday i feel like i'm forgetting something that we're supposed to do on sunday but oh well we're watching aew yeah i am watching aew thank you for reminding me that it was exactly what it was so, I know uh, we just talked about it at length for the past hour or so, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. Yep. Uh, thank you, because yeah, that yep, that's exactly what I was missing. So yeah, I'm watching AEW on Sunday night, and I'm actually pretty jazzed about it. I am also very excited for the pay per view this weekend. Uh, funny enough, it's also my wife's birthday this week. It's actually at the time of you listening to this. If you listen to it on day of drop, then it'll be her birthday. So it's also Allison's birthday uh, here wait, on the wait, wait. 26th. So, so her birthday is two days apart from Emily's birthday, and my birthday is four days apart from yours. That's weird. That's really and weird. Then, and then Benji and Cooper are one day away from being six months apart. This is getting really like conspiracy theory-ish. Hooked. It's written in the stars. Written in the stars right? that we'll be friends. Uh, we're just going to have a nice dinner at home uh, because, yes, Cooper is still only about a month and a half old here. And we're using our babysitter for today because after I'm done recording, we're going to see Doctor Strange uh, into the multiverse of madness because Allison hasn't seen it yet. So excited about that uh, this weekend, just working because this last weekend, as I said last week, I was at home by myself with the Cooper, but we survived. So this weekend, it's just back to normal. And yeah, I don't have a lot else for this week. So Diesel, some uh, social media stuff so we can get on out of here. You can follow me on Twitter at Diesel underscore VFTR. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad underscore Mind or at VFTR2PO. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram by searching View from the Top Rope Official. You can follow us on YouTube by searching View from the Top Rope. Of you from top rope at gmail.com is our email address. Follow Visionaries Global Media on Twitter at VizGlobalMedia. Visionaries Global Media at gmail.com is where you'll send in your podcast to be reviewed and added to the network where you'll be heard on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podknife, and Potable. And just so, so many others. Just type in Visionaries Global Media or VFTR 2.0 to a pod or to a search engine and you'll find us on a podcasting platform you enjoy. As always, I have been Chad. He has been Diesel. 
We thank you so very much for listening to this madness that we call a podcast. Hopefully we have gotten you through that boring work day, that workout that we're so proud of you for doing, or whatever else you happen to be doing while listening to this podcast. As always, please be kind to each other out there. We're all just trying to survive on this spinning blue orb that we call Earth. And you know what? There's just no reason to be a dick about it. Unless, you know, you're those damn kids who aren't doing the things they're supposed to. Then you can be a dick to those kids. But only because they're not doing what they're supposed to. I'm sorry, I'm off topic. Always remember, though, to climb up high and enjoy VFTR 2.0. Thank you.